2: And good morning, welcome to Tuesday's Cork Today with you until 1. Bernie taking your comments on the phone right now, 0818 103 103. If there's something you want to raise in the show or discuss, or we're about to discuss shortly. Also, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And ahead on this morning's show, those pension changes we'll discuss shortly. But uh, non-HSC staff still waiting for their €1,000 pandemic bonus. We're hearing from uh, so many people who have emailed us over the last number Number of months and yet they have not received this bonus and they're saying in their emails to us that they were promised this Uh, they shut up to work uh, during tough times and why HSE workers have received this non-HSE staff have not we're discussing that shortly with Ty Daly of Nursing Homes Ireland and as Munster faced a selected South African side as part of the Springboks tour uh, not everybody is happy uh, with rugby being played at Parky Queeve. one Parky Queeve steward feels so strongly on this he's resigned and will speak with John Arnold this morning on the programme program. We're going to discuss lung health also on the show and a consultant based here in Cork will join us but also a person uh, who suffers from lung fibrosis. She'll tell us her experience of living with that on the show this morning and we're going to look ahead to this year's McCroom Food Festival. It did take place on a smaller scale last year uh, but this year it's back and uh, no restrictions this year for uh, the food festival. So we'll look ahead to what's planned for McCroom and our regular show counsellor Joe Heffernan will join us after 12.30 and we'll be talking all about kindness So that and more between now and one and again your comments are welcome on 0818 103 103 A text or whatsapp 0862 103, 103. Bush you would have heard Barry on the early morning bulletins and again there at 10 o'clock about this story regarding the pension and changes that are being looked at and people who work until they are 70 will receive a weekly state pension of €315 under uh, what's been described as a radical overhaul of the pension system. Now the government is introducing five new rates of pension payments based on when a person retires which will see the rates rise incrementally by 5% every year person remains in work and those who leave work at 66 well they will continue to be entitled to the current weekly rate of 253 euros a week but anyone who remains in work longer will get a higher payment and the move is aimed at ending uh, what you could call I suppose a stalemate uh, politically Uh, over increasing the pension age to 67. There's been a lot of talk on this over the last four to five years. The new system will see someone retiring at 67, then uh, taking home a weekly state pension of 266 euros, while those who stop working at 68 will then receive 281 euros. And if you decide that you want to remain on and work until you are 69, then you'll be entitled to 297 euros with the highest rate then of 315 will be paid to those who retire at the age of 70. Uh, Now, the rates, which will be unveiled uh, later today by the Social Protection Minister, Heather Humphreys, there are based on the current pension payments. Uh, It's speculated that the rates are going to rise in the forthcoming budget. Now, negotiations are still ongoing within government about this increase in the pension rate, but it's going to be at least, it seems anyhow, €10 a week next year and the new system we're speaking about this morning uh, it seems that this then the new pension system will be in place by 2024 and it will be paid through increases in PRSI but the tax hikes for this will not be introduced in next week's budget uh, that will be introduced uh, over a number of forthcoming budgets not everybody though is happy with this uh, the Pension Commission are looking at this and they feel the higher payments are a bad idea and one of its members John McGrain, is not impressed at all uh, with the Social Protection Minister's Heather Humphreys' plans to do what I outlined there. So while many might welcome this, some are against it. And then there's others who when it was on our news, and I, I did mention this with Kenny earlier on The Breakfast Show, on the preview of this show, that are saying that's all very well, but for a lot of companies, it does state that once you reach 66 or 67 in contracts, you must leave. You don't have the option Uh, to work on until you're 70. And then there's people who do manual labour, like electricians, like construction workers who have to, they say, leave uh, 65, 66 or 67 because the work is so tough and they're outside, they say they physically can't continue. They've done it for the last 40, 50 years uh, so they won't be able to work into uh, the age of 70 or beyond, so won't make a, a big difference to them. So mixed views this morning on that. Your views are welcome. Uh, you can call us 0818-103-103 or text 0862-103-103. WhatsApp your voice notes on that same number and uh, a lot of talk uh, over the last few days and again this morning uh, from our health service but more so from nurses and hospital consultants Uh, they're they're using extreme language actually on this. They're saying hell on earth will be in our hospitals this year because it's expected if we look at what happened in Australia. Australia now are going into their spring. We're in our autumn, going into our winter. And they had a severe bout of flu and COVID mixed together. And that similarly is expected here and it's going to put the health service under severe pressure. But what's putting the health service under more pressure is that nurses are leaving this country. And why? Well, uh, basically, across the water, uh, the NHS in Britain, uh, they're including packages that are very luring to those who are working here at the moment and are looking at ads coming in from the NHS where you can go and get a, a good wage, but also get a package where you have your rented accommodation either included free or reduced while you work in a job wherever you are working in the UK and this is tempting a lot of medical staff to move from Ireland to the UK and the big reason is people cannot afford the rents and if they're living in a if they own their own house and a mortgage the cost of living here is crippling them so when they see that they can move to the UK and work in a job that even though the wages when you transfer Euro to Sterling may be something similar, when you have those extra offers of free accommodation or reduced accommodation it is making a lot of our nursing staff in particular look at this and leave and many already are doing so and they're saying look we can't afford to live here the cost of living is one thing but we can't afford the rents the high rents in the cities and the majority of our big hospitals are located in city areas and even those that are not are located in scenic areas and the rents are going up there as well so uh, people are deciding to move to the UK from the medical profession and you know when you see an offer like that it's hard uh, not to. I mean, a lot of people I speak to these days, uh, while they feel that if they want to move on in their career, they'll have to move to uh, and even though remote working is huge, they'll have to move to either Cork or Galway or Waterford or Dublin, but the rent is so high, many are choosing and opting to move to the likes of Manchester or Liverpool or Cardiff or or those cities whereby renting is lower. Obviously, population differences causing that, but uh, it is a worry for a lot of um, sectors in this country and the health one is uh, extremely worried for the winter ahead and what I mentioned about the cost of living uh, it's hitting everybody including people who might have gone maybe this is you have gone to the bar maybe on a Friday evening for a few scoops well it seems the drinkers now are turning their backs on the bars and it's happening in their droves and the vintners are out and they're warning of a bleak future for the drinks trade in Ireland because uh, the pubs I suppose can't not pass on increases uh, to consumers and they're you know facing obviously energy costs like everybody else uh, but because of that and because of rising costs for individuals who go along to the bar people are saying any spare cash they have any disposable income isn't going to be spared they're noticing bars getting quiet I must say I was out with a work barbecue here uh, on in the city and afterwards in various establishments it was uh, noticeably quieter for a Friday night than it would have been now that could be for a number of factors I mean You had the plowing on this week. People might have been going to that. Uh, There's concerts. Garth Brooks was in Dublin. That could be a factor. But it was noticeable a lot quieter in the city centre from a a social point of view than it would have been maybe uh, before the pandemic or even a year ago, uh, before all the restrictions. So um, I suppose, even if you are, and we all are feeling it, you're not going to be spending it in a bar and you're going to be watching what you spend. And then you have high costs for a drink, and for whatever you drink, uh, points or whatnot, you will be choosing on, on how you spend your money. Anyhow, that story coming from the Vintners. And I mentioned the plowing there. We've got a few calls from people who were driving up to the plowing. So good morning to all who were on their journey to leash on the motorway at this stage. Uh, some people are telling us it's taking 40 minutes uh, to enter the site. And indeed, uh, the last few calls we've got, people were saying about 50 minutes, but all been uh, done very well. Uh, no major problems uh, entering just apart from the hold up of course it is again uh, this year taking place in Rathaniska in County Leash it's the first one of course in three years and when, if you are going just for those who have contacted us uh, the organisers and the Gardaí and you would have heard this on our bulletins as well uh, they're asking people not to look or turn on or look at your sat-navs turn off your sat-navs they're saying look at the Garda traffic plan uh, maybe get someone in the passenger seat to look at that for you uh, because sat-navs will send you on roads nearby and they could send you in the wrong. Rand- So that's a word of advice there from uh, the Gardaí if you're making your way at the moment to the ploughing. Anyhow, our lines are open. We'll be discussing that issue about the uh, pandemic bonus very shortly. 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Now, the ongoing delay in paying frontline workers a COVID-19 pandemic bonus is being described as totally unacceptable. Now, Nursing Homes Ireland, they say uh, there's no clarity on when the payment will be processed. And the bonus? Uh, which is worth €1,000 to uh, healthcare workers is to recognise their efforts at the height of the pandemic and this was approved by the government last January while well, CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland is Tyg Daly who joins me this morning on this. Good morning to you Tyg. Good morning John Paul. Now HSC staff, the so-called Section 38 staff which is the state agencies that are funded by the HSC, they have received payments. Now even though this morning we're getting WhatsApps in from people who are saying they are HSE staff and they have not received payments but uh, I'm not too sure they they isolated incidents and we'll, we'll look into that in a while but the last okay. time we heard uh, there was problems paying the money to other sectors as everyone we were told had a separate payroll system and a tender process then was required to pay those different sectors but that will take a while to, I, won't it, to set up this tender process
3: Absolutely, and that's what's so, so frustrating about this. I mean, we have been very, very patient over the last number of months in dealing with uh, this issue. It was announced on the 19th of January, a uh, very welcome announcement, and in fairness to government, it was the right decision. Uh, but since then, you know, there has been an absence of clarity in terms of how it's going to to be rolled out, as it were. And yesterday was eight months literally since the announcement on 19th of January. So, Very, very frustrating, as I said. Uh, A lot of anger among staff, I can assure you. And as you said, the tender process now has been entertained uh, by the HSE. That's going to, as you say, delay the process. And it's also going to increase the cost to government uh, of undertaking this particular tender. I mean, there is a way of doing this, which is obviously more straightforward. And we accept fully that there has to be oversight, obviously. But all of the staff who walked during the pandemic are registered with the revenue commissioners, the, the, the PAYE, USC, etc. So it shouldn't be beyond us to devise a fairly straightforward system and just administer this payment as an absolute priority.
2: And those that worked in the private sector and still do across the last two or three years, and you mentioned there, you know, everybody is with revenue and registers. When they were rolling out the, you know, the likes of the vaccination, for example, they would have had the individual's employment and documentation, I'm sure, for those working in the private sector. Could they not use that mechanism to roll out the payments?
3: Absolutely. And that's what we have said all the way along. I mean, you know, nursing homes have extensive payroll, obviously, uh, and it was also, as you know, a, a temporary assistance payment scheme, uh, which was uh, in in place through COVID. So there are mechanisms there to deal with it. Uh, but in my mind, they're overcomplicating it um, and, you know, really, really frustrating. I mean, it's, it's nursing home staff. It's people who work in home care. Um, I've had people contact me yesterday from the Dublin Fire Brigade. Uh, Defence forces have been in touch with nursing homes around this. So there's a number of other agencies as well who have been impacted by this. And look, clearly at this stage, um, you know, they need to set a date and just honour that commitment. You know, we, we talked initially, I spoke with, with, with your colleague Patricia some time back. We were talking about, you know, potentially having it for summer holidays, then possibly for return to school. I mean, now we're looking down the face of potentially Christmas before it will be paid, which is completely unacceptable. And it is treating those in the private and voluntary sector, in nursing homes, and indeed the other agencies I mentioned, uh, it is discriminating against them on the basis of, of where they work.
2: And from the emails we have received from those who you know keep asking us what is happening with this payment and when will we get this, uh, the highlighting factor they show in their emails is the sad cases they saw in nursing homes as staff dealing with a lot of the restrictions, separating families when they did not want to do this, but they had no choice with the uh, health restrictions that were in place and the frustration and anger they felt at that time. And now the fact that one side of the health service receives it because it's part of a public service and the other side from a private aspect is not receiving it. uh, They said is bringing back that frustration and anger again.
3: Yeah, it is. It's bringing up, I mean, look, people have been through a very difficult period, as we know, right across the health service, Um, and and nursing homes uh, were obviously at at the cold face of many of those issues. So, uh, you know, the staff were overjoyed, I suppose, in some respects, at the announcement of government, and as I said, it is important to acknowledge that, because we were in touch with Minister Butler, uh, Minister McGrath, and others in, in public expenditure and reform, and the fact that they made the decision to include all those agencies, was a hugely positive... Um, and what it said as well was we're part of the system. This delay now is again creating that division uh, because, as we've spoken of before, the integration of the private and voluntary nursing home sector and the critical role it plays is vitally important. What this is saying to us in, in the private sector is that you know we're outside the tent, as it were, and uh, we're being treated differently again. But ultimately, it's the staff here, as you said, who are so, so frustrated at this point in time.
2: So what happens now? I mean, we mentioned you spoke to us before during the summer and we thought it would be a page in the summer months. It wasn't. With the tendering process now, it could be Christmas, but it could be after Christmas. I mean, you're aware, as I said earlier, Tyg, in the interview those tendering processes, they can take up to six months or more when it comes to a public service situation. Uh, So are you just going to wait or what pressure can you apply? Because you already have put on a lot of pressure on the the Department of Health on this, the HSC and the Minister?
3: Yeah, no, I mean, we will continue to maintain, I suppose, engagement and, and positive engagement and pressure, uh, as you say. Uh, but also the staff, I know themselves, many staff have been in touch with us and they're also writing to their own local TDs and lo- and, and the Ministers to outline their frustration. So, look, we'll continue to keep the focus on it. Um, and I, I think, you know, common sense must prevail here. We cannot, in my mind, enter a position whereby we reach Christmas and it's not discharged. I mean, that won't be you know, beyond thinkable now at this point in time. So in, in our view, the latest this, this needs to happen, ideally earlier, but but I suppose there are systems that have to be put in place, obviously. But the latest this should happen now, in our mind, is, is December payroll at the very, very latest. But even in that point of view, communicating with people and saying to them, you know, what month it will happen, will at least give them some certainty and ease some of that uh, frustration that people feel right across the system at the moment.
2: Okay, we'll we'll wait and see what happens over the next uh, number of months. For the moment, Tyke, uh, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thank you and good morning. That is Tyke Delhi there, who is the CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland. And I mentioned there when we just started that chat with Tyke, a number of texts and WhatsApps in from people who work within the HSC and our HSC staff. And one WhatsApper is saying, Not all HSC staff have got the 1,000 euro. I work in a hospital, and some of us have received it, but some of us haven't. So there's also a split within the public service on this pandemic bonus. And Mary, who works in a hospital, hospital. It's outside of Cork uh, but she says uh, where she works half the staff in the hospital have, g- n- have not got the bonuses yet. Some technicians in particular have not received the bonus. They have reapplied uh, but have not got an answer at this stage. So while we were talking to Tig there about private uh, sectors which were entitled to the bonus and have not received it and according to paper reports and the Department of Health and uh, the Minister, they've Anyhow, that all in the HSE and the public side of things got that bonus, it would appear from what we're hearing this morning on WhatsApp and text and indeed calls now uh, that many who work in the public's hospitals, uh, in particular in, in Cork and Limerick, have not received the bonus and they're applying for the bonus, but they're not getting answers yet. So not just in the private sector. Anyhow, um, your views are welcome. And if you are like so many others who are affected by that, let us know. You can text or WhatsApp 862 103, 103 or call Bernie on 0818-103-103. And yesterday on the programme, busy show yesterday, and we a big reaction to our discussion. This was with the Irish Farmers' Journal, and in their Irish Country Living magazine, uh, they're carrying out a four-week investigation piece, uh, which is looking at the lack of GPs in rural Ireland and also in many urban areas of our cities. And while we were discussing that yesterday, we had a huge response to that. Uh, but one uh, comment and a few comments we didn't get to, and this is one from uh, someone who recently went along to their doctor. And basically, the main reason they went for was because they needed to get surgery. About before or they were just heading out the door to go and meet their doctor on their upcoming surgery. They burned their hands and they had a huge blister on their hand. They described the blister as a size of a mug in their hands and they only had a few minutes to run their hand under a tap of cold water, drove to her GP's with frozen veg on her hand as she drove. And when she got into the doctor and had the appointment, she, you know, discussed her upcoming surgery, but also said, Look, I burnt my hand this morning. Can you treat it? To be told that, even though the hand was clearly just burnt about maybe 30 minutes beforehand, uh, that this person would have to come back, make another appointment... And in the end, what happened was she got a septic infection due to not having the burn dealt with there and then. And when she did ask for another appointment, she was told she'd be waiting for two weeks. And in this situation, the person is telling us that they can't move doctors. They were told they're lucky to have one and there's none in the area available. So I mean, that just shows straight away what's happening in the GP side of things. And very like what we heard yesterday from our discussion and with the health correspondence at the Irish Farmers Journal Margaret Hawking's on that and then uh, when we were discussing insurance as well on the show yesterday and that situation with GPs I have an, uh, a WhatsApp that came in after the show from Deirdre and uh, she says this could be a reminder for people who have private health insurance if you're lucky enough to have private health insurance many forget the services and this is Deirdre's story that uh, on was it last Saturday she went along and uh, looked at her private health insurance and she realised that they are Swift Claire Clinics and a lot of people she feels forget about this. So on Saturday morning at around 10am she needed medical attention and she phoned the VHI Swift Clinic and she got an appointment with them for 2 o'clock. She checked in, she was assessed by a nurse checked by a doctor, she was given pain relief and an x-ray then the x-ray was read, a diagnosis was made, she received treatment and a brace was put on her leg, she got prescription for painkillers and she was out the door in one hour, so uh, when she went in at two, all that took place and she was gone just after three o'clock she goes, what a service, the charge for this was 50 euros, but she felt it was worth much more and I know what she said, she pays for this as part of her insurance premium... And as part of our insurance policy, uh, but for those who have private health insurance, obviously Deirdre is with VHI. Uh, if you're with others, have similar type of clinics, yeah, many forget this that this part of, of their, their 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 policy, uh, and that these exist here in the Cork area. So just to take note of that, because everybody, when something happens, is in a rush and may forget that you have private health insurance. You're paying for it to so use the service, and the charge was only fifty euros. So uh, just Deirdre, a bit of advice there for those who might find themselves in a situation in a panic. Now, how do you feel about watching TV? Well, all those beloved subs that we all watch, Corey, Emmerdale and EastEnders, well, you maybe don't watch them, but if you are fans of them and you watch them on either RTE or Virgin Media television, uh, they could be disappearing from our screens. Now, I do presume that, while they may not be shown here in Ireland, Uh, Because the UK is so close and a lot of the channels are available free to air on satellite that will still be able to pick up uh, the BBC and ITV, Channel 4 and Channel 5 here if you're lucky enough to set up a free sat system. But it seems because of Brexit, uh, Irish viewers could be facing a backlash and it's under new laws because every EU broadcaster must now ensure that 30% of their on-demand catalogue, that's the players they all have, and indeed their programme schedule has to be produced in Europe. And the European Works Quota uh, recently looked at the UK content, such as I'm a Celebrity and Cory, as I mentioned, but they could fall out of the decision that the EU have made because, of course, the UK has gone from Brexit. So, uh, at this stage, RTE bosses and Virgin Media bosses have written to the EU on this. Uh, it's a big worry because a lot of the channels, in particular Virgin. Uh, a lot of their version 2 and version 3 channels are made up of UK content from ITV mainly and then all the channels would be showing uh, not soaps only but other shows that are made in the UK and also shows that are made in America Uh, and they're all shown here in Ireland they're also under threat and interesting from a production point of view is that RTE and Virgin are saying they have teamed up with the likes of BBC and ITV and Channel 5 to produce shows that are made here in Ireland but are shown in both countries because if they team up with independent production companies and the main channel in the UK it just gives more money and more financial backing for a show uh, Normal People is one of those and I know other shows that are made here solely in Ireland are sold thin, uh, to UK channels so it's, it's going to be a worry from that point of view but then others are saying is it a good thing? Uh, is it going to mean that they'll have to create more Irish content, which will bring more jobs to the industry and more Irish voices? So, uh, your views are welcome. Is it good or bad? Um, People have mixed views on this. Now, the the other thing is that while the UK, uh, some would say, become a third country in the EU, a large part of this will become a two-way street uh, in the EU. So, they they might not go down this road totally. uh, But as it stands it will have an impact uh, whether they can change this at the last minute or not we'll have to wait and see Uh, but your views do you think it's a, a good thing or, or is it a bad thing? For example, this could affect future shows like Young Offenders. That was an RTE, well as a BBC production, but shared with RTE. Uh, so your views are welcome on that. Or is it a good thing to have more Irish voices and Irish TV rather than looking at uh, shows that are already being shown anyhow on ITV or BBC? And as I say, regardless of what happens, if these, the shows, you know, the TV channels from the UK are going to be beamed up to the sky anyway. Uh, so if you have a, a free sat dish, you'll receive them. So you won't need to be relying on Irish TV to rebroadcast them your views are welcome on that anyhow on 0818 103, 103 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 and on the way as rugby is going to be played in Parky queeve not everybody is happy we're going to speak to one steward who felt so strongly that he's resigned from his role within Parky Queeve we'll chat with John Arnold next Court
0: today on C 103 call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103
2: Munster will face a South African selected team at Parky Queeve, in November. The fixture was given the green light following a meeting of the GAA Central Council. And this is part of the Springboks tour. But not everybody within GAA circles is happy with this. John Arnold joins me. Uh, good morning to you, John. Morning, how are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us this morning. Um, you have stood down from your role as a steward at Parky Cueve and is this solely down to the fact that a rugby game is <coughs> going to be played at the park? Yeah, that's it, yeah. And you felt so strong that you decided to just resign from your role?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, the role of steward is just voluntary steward. I started doing stewarding in old Parky Cueve, i noticed in 1980 or 1981. I Haven't been doing it for a solid five years, but <clears> on <throat> and enough over the last five years. So it's, I suppose, it's not a, it's not a role. It's a completely voluntary job. Anybody wants to do it. Well, I was, I was looking for new stores there. Yeah, but <clears throat> I, in this case, I, I just felt like this was just, in far, as, far as I was concerned it was a step too far. I mean, and people have said to me since, but you weren't unhappy there when there was the soccer game played in Parkfield was it two or three years ago there for them yeah that was the
2: Liam Miller soccer game played at the time what were your feelings on that?
4: I ah, actually yes, looked at completely different circumstances. I wouldn't about i't an hammer about but look in that case there was a young widow with a young family, and there was a fundraiser, obviously money being raised for the future of, of the, the miller family so look anybody couldn't object to that i'd look and i'd look and this picture coming up in November is basically kind of a fundraiser for the for the or the Munster branch and i couldn't see why why the j a should be facilitating that I mean, it isn't as if they were stuck for grounds i presume the IRFU or the Munster branch. They 50 pitches of their own, whether it's in Dublin or Cork and Limerick. And, and of course, people are sabotaging earning great money for the Jay and Cork when we all have a big guess in Packy Cleave. That's, that's hardly the point. I mean, you, 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 you can't just throw your gates open to every little tattle of everything thing because we said we'll make money out of it. And I mean, this, this game, nobody knows, wasn't reveal to us, Not wouldn't be revealed how much the, the Jay and Cork will benefit. You know, some people mentioned maybe 200,000, 250 thousand i don't know because there are only figures being thrown out, but i presume if any of those figures was close to the mark, to the Mac but the the, the the sponsoring body the Rfu or the Bench, the R would make would be would be several times less. <laughs> and it seems uh, ira- ironic to me that like in an era when we and you'd be appealing for more funds for for, for coaching, for coaches going to schools, because we still so have to get voluntary people to help with the A club, especially in schools, that, that, that another sporting organisation, we'd be actually helping them funding the very activities that we're not supposed to be doing as good ourselves. In other words, we could be giving a rival sporting organisation to a 400,000, and they won't be slow in putting coaches into schools, and then we wonder why we're not able to do the same. So I, I, I just felt... And the other thing I really feel is, you know, Soccer and rugby, they're sports, but they're also no professions. They're professional sports. Holding in football, and not. So, a young child, boy or girl, uh, that's good and that loves holding in football, they can't ever aspire to making a money out of it because it's not a profession. They can't aspire to making a living out of it. But one thing they could always aspire to in Ireland and Cork and especially you they could have always aspire to, you said, that look, with your club, maybe your county, you can end up playing above in that magnificent stadium that we have put there in the park for the same. that would have played the club there. But you know, it looks like that's not going to be the case anymore. That any young fella, boy or girl who wants to play rugby or soccer can equally say, it. anybody can say to him, yeah, oh, yeah, he'll end up playing in passing as well. So, one of the few bonuses we had, one of the few pluses that we have over professional sports, we haven't the multi million backing, we haven't sponsorship of international companies, we haven't huge media setups, we haven't international television contracts. Uh, 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 so, we have very few pluses in comparison to those. And I always thought that was one you could hold up. And now, no that's been diluted and just kind of thrown away.
2: But when you mentioned money. there about the coaching, I mean, this money that the GA will receive for Parky Queave and the huge debt you outlined, which is at the stadium, surely the more money they can get in to clear the debt, they can reinvest in into the GA and coaching. And while you mentioned international sporting agreements, the GA have sold a lot of their rights to Sky. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the,
4: the, 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 the money that the GA make from. From sporting rights because they're only national, they're not international. You can't compare the, the money they will make, with, from from deals with Sky or Arcee, 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 or anybody else, you can compare those with multi-multi million deals that, that the Premiership or the Rugby Internationals have. You, you can compare like like talking chalk and cheese. Yeah, and you say we have a big debt. Yeah, there is a big debt, and <clears throat> obviously the more we can do the clear that. But my my point is, in schools and all over the country. Every sporting organisation is fishing off the same pool in Ireland. We haven't millions and millions of populations like you have in England. So we're all fishing off the same pool. So we're all trying to do coaching. My point is, actually, you don't seem to understand it. All I'm saying is, you said we'll make 200,000, out of this. And yet another sporting body could make twice that out of it. So we take one step forward and two steps
2: backwards. <laughs> And while your points are valid and, and there is some people here who agree with you and feel the G A stadiums that were uh, built were invested for GEA and people on the, the grassroots, you know, spent and, and pay their, their money over the years, which is going into that. And why other professional sports use the grounds. Uh, if you look at Cork, I mean, Musgrave Park, I think, can only hold around 8,000. Parky Quiv would be the biggest stadium. Is it not better to have one stadium in a city like Cork rather than having a number of other stadiums in a city the size of Cork? And have the GA having control of, of what happens in that stadium is is that not a
4: viewpoint no, we sh- could have?
5: Sh- in sh- it? Sh- 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 that's a stupid
4: point of view. Sure, if you, you could take any centre of the population, so take a city, take a huge town, and just because the jail with 50 or 100 years have been investing in buying property and developing stadiums over the last 100 years and clubs over the country. So if you took your logic, so you'd say in a big town, I should, there's a fine GS stadium, leave all sports use that, just because we were quicker for the game, just because our people started investing money, not now, not lately, not in the last 10 or 20 years, not when grants came in, not when lots of sports capital funding came in, but over the last 50, 60, 100 years. I mean, should, logically so. If you took your... Like, the same should apply to all big towns. There's a fine stadium there. should leave every sport in. In other words, what you're saying so, and the way I can look at it is, that sports like rugby, if your logic was taken they needn't be investing in infrastructure. They needn't be investing in stadiums. They can just do like the cuckoo, go into somebody else's nest and the money they make, then they can put into coaching, more and more coaching. They don't have to be repaying debts on stadiums like we do. They can put more and more money into coaching for their professional games, which is putting us at a deficit. So, I mean, like that that's not a logical argument at all.
2: And would you rather that so that, we, I mean, again, you know, it's a small city uh, and rather than having four or five massive stadiums to have one whereby the GA is in control but the J can make money and reinvest that money.
4: Yeah, but, did you, but, but I mean, you, you, you seem to lose the point I'm making that we're competing with professional sports. Professional sports who are able to give contracts, international contracts, we have few bonuses. And as I said initially, one of the big bonuses we have is a magnificent stadium where we can say to all people, all children, all young people who play holding a football, look, there's the chance for you to have your field of dreams, which is completely delusive if it just becomes a municipal multi-purpose stadium where you've got everything from motorbike racing to J.A. to soccer to rugby everything else. And people say, what about concerts? Yeah, I mean, it's like I have no problem with concerts. Like I have no problem with concerts that books of Elton John or boys they're not going to be they're not, they're not trying for the hats and, and and sporting admissions of, of, of youngsters I have no problem with concerts provided it doesn't happen like it happened in Year that the car have to open after some else because of a concert known in fairness that was because of contractual elements as well the concerts were contracted before COVID and all that but like I have no problem with concerts once they don't interfere with the, the playing of the Gaelic games and holding in football so no, look and know i sure people will, will disagree with my point. And that's fair enough. Everybody's entitled to have your point. And I mean, I don't hate cock, and I don't hate rugby and I don't hate all these sports. I have no hatred whatsoever. All I do is I love hurling and football. I'm a GMN to the core. My ambition, as long as I'm involved in sports, is to promote hurling and football. And I think as far And ladies football and pomogu too, of course, and as far as I'm concerned, anybody that's involved in the J, from the bottom level to the top level, that should be our ethos. That should be our number one. Everything else is absolutely none of our business. It's, it's a secondary item. The most important thing of all should be the promotion of Gaelic Games. If other organizations want to have big stadiums, small stadiums, that's their entitlement and that's their rights. and if they don't want any stadium, that's fine. That's fine. That's, that's my point of view and I'm not, I'm not, big, I'm, not I'm not bitter. All I'm just saying is my role and I think the role of all GAA people should be A, to promote Gaelic Games and it's done, and I can tell you this, it is done, and the to do that now. As we are a wash now with multi-channel television, like you said, with Sky, with sports, who are beaming international professional sports into every house in the country, not for a month or two during the summer, not for six months, but literally the whole year round, 24 hours a day literally, because there are so many different channels available on multi-channel television and going and all the other media. So, I mean, we're only very small for in that ocean, so all I'm saying is we should try and keep what we have and use it as one of the one of the few shining jewels we have and just from a stewarding
2: games. point of view before I let you go John the alcohol of course would be sold at the rugby games I mean is that something that you, you know you, you would question selling alcohol when they're not available to sell alcohol or we don't sell alcohol anyhow at GA games I
4: just an absolute an- anomaly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, was, I was told at the county board, that I don't understand what this means, there are stadium rules and there are jail rules. Like, like it, it baits banner to say to people, I, I don't think myself, but I have no objection to people drinking, but it baits Benahar to say to people, well, if you go to holding in football matches, you're not entitled to drink in the stadium. If you go to rugby matches, you are. What kind of logic, what kind of twisted, perverse logic is that? Is it that people who go to rugby matches are more entitled to drink, is it that they have more money? Is it that people who go to J-games, if they took a drink out in the pitch, would play at Melbourne for I don't know. It's just, I mean, now maybe there is some logic to I don't understand the logic, but I certainly don't. And I certainly wouldn't like to be a voluntary sort, say, in 12 months' time if there's a the most championship match in court and somebody wants to take his point out in the seat and he's told, oh, you can't do that. And he says, there was a second rugby match last year and you could add ah, a different rugby is different.
2: Yeah, you have to, you'll, be, you'll be the one left explaining that, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah.
4: Maybe somebody somewhere in the higher echelons of the J would explain that logic to you. I just, I can't understand it anyhow, you know?
2: And John, would you like to see Rule 42 or a type of system brought back then to protect the GA stadiums like Park Equip, which you've outlined there, should you feel just should be played for GA? Would you like something brought back uh, ah, no, in that no, rule no, no, or are no, you happy no, no, it, with it? No, no,
4: no, 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 no. I mean, there's no point... Like, we, we, I know people are fashion If he had his way, he'd bring that rule 27 mm. to Ben. Now, there's not there's not in that. I mean, look, we fought those battles, and uh, I was on one side, we, we lost those battles, but I always understood, like, I mean, what really annoyed me is when the, this issue came up first a few years ago, which was during the rebuilding of Lensdale Road or at the Aviva Stadium, now, and we were told at the time, look, you must open for fair for international rugby and soccer matches while it is being built. While it is being built. And should, like like the Treaty of Limerick and go Sardin Kulli and we were having fundraisers there. And I mean nobody could have picked if they said, Well, look, we need it for a set period of time until we have a stadium of our own built. Stadium of our own is built, but that didn't stop and matches <laughs> being played in for but But Look look, i maybe I'm old fashioned, maybe I'm old, I was born in the last century, maybe my views don't represent any echelon of the g at this stage I don't know but that doesn't mean I should go with the flow and suddenly say I change your mind and look throwing so your lot with everybody else they're my opinions they're my dearly held opinions I wouldn't try and ram my opinions down anybody else's throat, and I wouldn't shout or tell anybody you're absolutely wrong on my views and I stand by my principles and that's why I resigned my position for it as a voluntary steward from
2: Cartier. Okay, well, John, I can tell you there is mixed views on this and you have a lot of support on text and obviously people who have, who have different views
4: than you, so it's
2: not all against what you thought it was. Yeah,
4: I know, I, I, I know that. Like, <clears throat> and, and like, unfortunately, on, 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 I suppose a, a lot of people who would have opinions like me uh, from being bashed over the head the last couple of years, a lot of them slow enough to express their opinions, and I know that, and, and the trouble, as you know yourself, being involved in communications, the trouble is with um, with media and a lot of social media, you can have a lot of people who will disagree with, vehemently, mm-hmm. which, and then the culture but like, they wouldn't bring you up and talk and debate issues which you but that's, look that's the, that's the power of social media that is unfortunate power of, well yeah, you have power of radio stations okay. you have
2: debated your your, your uh, reason yeah. for what you've done uh, quite yeah. well this morning John so look the best of luck uh, in the and future yeah, I know you, yeah, you're okay, still yeah, widely yeah, involved with GA uh, ah, yeah, across thank, Cork so yeah, you, you'll be still supporting it
4: thanks very much for contacting me Anytime at all I'm glad to give my opinion because my personal dear, deeply held opinion God bless thank you
2: thank you John uh, John Arnold John us this morning a lot of reaction to this we'll get to those shortly but your views are welcome do you agree with John some people do and some people disagree having other sports played at Parky Quive, when as John outlined you know it was uh, built by the GAA uh, your views are welcome 0818 103103 103. text or whatsapp 0862 103, 103. it is a Tuesday you're welcome to Cork today it's JP and for Patricia until 1 Bernie taking your comments on 0818 103103 103. you can text or whatsapp oh eight six two one zero three. 103 and we spoke with John Arnold just before news at 11 there and a huge reaction uh, to our chat with John basically his John view uh, is that when it comes to Park Cueve and he is or was anyhow a steward in Park Cueve by the way a voluntary position within uh, the stadium. Uh, But he felt so strongly about Munster, who are facing a South African side as part of the Springboks tour. And one of those games is going to be played in uh, Parky Cueve. And he felt so strong that rugby would be played in the park that he resigned his position of steward, again, a voluntary position. Uh, And mixed views on that because some people agree with his view of that Parky and GAA stadiums should only be for GAA and not other sports, more or less if other sports want to have a stadium go and invest themselves into it. And a lot of people agree with John, but also a lot of people disagree with John. So mixed uh, the calls and indeed text on this. Your views are welcome on text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Uh, first of all, this person on WhatsApp saying, uh, JP, the year is 2022. It's great that the GAA is right to move with the times. John Arnold, you can move up with the times or stay where you were, uh, says that person. Uh, somebody else saying we need one shared stadium in our city that all the sports contribute to. This man is absolutely ridiculous. And talking about rival sports, it's very old-fashioned and backwards thinking, uh, says this person. Um, somebody else texting in saying your man there, well, your man there was John Arnold from the GAA. Sounds like a spoiled child who didn't get his way and somebody else saying I know John a long time he is a great community man here at Barclamee I don't agree with his views but the slating he is getting is very unfair he is a great man and neighbour while Kay says I agree with John we do need to keep GAA in our stadiums. He is right. So many at grassroots levels are, have invested into the likes of GAA draws and into other draws that provide money for stadiums like Parquet Quive. So if other sports want to use our stadiums, then why not they invest? Why should other sports be gaining off the grassroots money? Uh, says Kay. While Dermot picking up on the idea of a shared stadium, and that's just something that came into my head when I was chatting to John, the size of a city of Cork, uh, would it be better to have one big stadium uh, and you know, rather than having four or five big stadiums with GAA in one, rugby in another, soccer in another, just have one and the GAA are in control, well then, you know, that gives them the ultimate say on what happens with the stadium. I thought maybe that would be a better, but John disagreed with that uh, and he th- thought it wasn't a, a good viewpoint uh, and, you know, it feels that maybe the others should invest as the, the GAA did. Uh, but Dermot, agreeing with the idea of a shared stadium, uh, he thinks it's a good idea having the GAA in control while others would use a stadium uh, like, for example, Park at He says this should be the considered. Uh, for all cities across Ireland at the end of the day we're a very small country while Emer says we all talk about carbon emissions well surely then just one stadium in a city the size of Cork also for Limerick and Galway makes sense than having a stadium for every single sport how is that good for the environment says Emer um, another person here on text that says any GAA match held in Parky Queeve never even fills it. It's a joke. They are in denial like the Catholic Church. Very low spectators for GAA matches. Hold a soccer match or a rugby match there and the stadium would be completely sold out. That man needs to understand that GAA is not anywhere near as popular as soccer or rugby. I love all sports, including hurling, but trying to hog the stadiums for GAA only is awful and uh, first of all this person is responding to John on the rugby game and he doesn't agree with John he says it's a game of rugby what harm will it do but he does agree with John on drink and he says the subject I think of drink should be banned from every game and every concert we were at a concert in Crow Park two weeks ago and got washed in drink from people behind us people are only interested in buying drink not and looking what was actually on the stage so agrees with John on that that drink should be banned while leaving. Team is also agreeing with John on the drink situation. He says, as many of the volunteers in parquet Queeve are volunteers, he said, they are not getting paid for this. Imagine if you had the rugby match there one weekend and then two weekends later you have a GAA match. Trying then to explain to a person who did attend the rugby game that they could drink. But then when they go to the GAA game, they can't bring the drink into the stadiums. How do you deal with that? So, I totally agree with John on the drink situation. Uh, Morris is in Glanton. Uh, Morris says anything that helps reduce the GAA debt on Parky Queeve is good. Rugby is a sport, the same as any sport. And John and Plockpool is asking the John Stewart for the concerts. Well, he has no, no issue with the concerts. He mentioned that in the interview. He do doesn't mind the concerts being held in Park at it's just other sports being played he's not happy with and John in Blackpool also making the point that rugby will help reduce the debt and John in Castleton Roach says this is not the first time that John Arnold has disagreed with a decision taken by the GAA he was complaining about the finals being played in the middle of the summer and the county board needs all the money they can get to service the debt also it must be remembered that taxpayers push €30 million Euro into that stadium. Uh, John Delmanue feels that uh, John Arnold we spoke with must have very little to worry about. He says sport is sport and anything should be let play there. Uh, well finally in this Ger is in East Cork. Jur uh, agrees with John. He says the GAA was founded to promote Irish games there should be no foreign games played in GAA grounds Ger is stopping his fundraising for the GAA and I presume Joe you're stopping that because of rugby going ahead in Parky queeve so your views are welcome as I said mixed views coming in on that uh, some people agree with John some people disagree with John one thing is and there's a lot more comments coming in everybody agrees regarding the drink situation they feel Uh, You have people that go along to concerts and also games, and these would be rugby games, obviously, I don't, you can't drink, not that I know of anyhow, I don't think you can drink at GEA games, as in in the actual stadium, Uh, but I know at rugby, you see people drinking in the stadium, and people are against that. They say that people get drunk, and it takes away from the enjoyment of the game. So regarding the drink situation, the majority of uh, calls and texts agreeing with John Arnold on that, but... People have mixed views on if other sports should uh, go along and use Parky Cueve. Interesting, though, a lot of people feel in this day and age that it would be best to have shared stadiums rather than having four or five or six. As you would see in some cities in the UK, now you'd have massive populations. A difference in the UK I mean is it the city of Birmingham is it four to five million people live there and what's our population is it five million uh, so you know it's a different scenario looking at a city in the UK where they would have four or five different stadiums but still and it would be all professional sports but still is a time that we look at just one massive stadium in cities in Ireland rather than building a number of them and I think Emer made a good point we're all talking about carbon footprint and the environment and yet uh, some want more stadiums anyhow uh, you Your views are welcome on that. We'll get through those uh, across the show. 0818 103 103. Bernie on the phone or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. I mentioned about the uh, EU laws that will affect uh, UK TV on uh, Irish television schedules here and how that Uh, It it is up to every broadcaster here in Ireland to have 30% of their catalogue and their programming. It has to be produced in Europe. Uh, A few people commenting on this. One thing I meant to mention is the fact that, of course, uh, why it affects us here in Ireland more than other EU countries is the fact that, apart from us showing a lot of the shows uh, that come from BBC and ITV, we're English-speaking And so obviously it's the UK, whereas France, Germany and other countries, Italy, uh, don't show a lot of the shows from the UK because of the language difference. So it's going to affect us more than uh, other broadcasters. Heidi. Uh, on, on this. She goes, how pity or how petty even can the EU get? Loads of programmes from the USA are shown here and programmes from the EU, well, you will need to speak the language unless they dub all the programmes from the EU. Uh, while Jessie's saying, does this mean so uh, that we'll lose a lot of our favourite programmes from the US uh, and indeed the UK? The top side of the UK is we still will be able to get uh, the UK channels, but I'd hate to think that we lose our favourite shows from the US Well, he won't lose everything Uh, and again the EU because this has been brought up now uh, the EU are saying that you know if they went ahead with this it could be and they could face a backlash on both the EU and indeed the UK because from a production point of view people might move elsewhere if they realise there's going to be problems here they might say right we'll make this show in Australia uh, and show it back uh, in the EU Uh, but the money where the show was made will go to uh, another continent so they are looking at this uh, and maybe looking now at how they can work around it but it's because it's been highlighted they're looking at it uh, for the moment though it seems that that's the way it's it's going to stand um, if it will be implemented or not it will though have a huge effect on channels here in Ireland who do show a lot of content from the uh, UK but on the other side of that if there's a positive to be taken out of it it would mean then that you will have more Irish faces on TV more Irish voices because there will be less programming coming in from the UK anyhow your views are welcome uh, on that do you welcome a move or do you think it's unfair uh, you can text 0862-103-103 or send a voice note or WhatsApp on the same number. Call Bernie 0818-103-103. A lot of comments in on the pensions as well. i get to those shortly and also on the funeral yesterday of Queen Elizabeth the Second. That and more we'll get to across the show. But on the way, we're going to discuss lung health shortly. I'll be speaking to a consultant based here in Cork and also from a Cork person who suffers from lung fibrosis. We'll chat with those next. c 103 Jobs. And on today's job spot, we have vacancies where Wesco Windows in Banaline, they're looking for full-time factory operatives, full-time fitters, and a full-time serviceman. Training will be provided on site. You can send your CV to info at wescowindows.com or call them on 023 Capita are recruiting customer service individuals and advisors to join their team at their Clonakilty office. If you're interested, email Clonacilty to capitajobs at capita.com and a relief room leader and relief AIM assistant is required for Kids' Corner Preschool in Bween. You can email lynda.brown79 at gmail.com for details. These jobs and more, they're online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs.
0: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. C-M-I-G dot
2: and just on the debate regarding other sports being played in Parky Cueve, and some people have mentioned the fact that taxpayers' money was ploughed into that stadium. Liz is making the point on WhatsApp. She says, I'm very angry because people are on about money from the taxpayers invested into Parky Cueve. So what if public money went into Parky Cueve? It's our national sport. Liz says, Why should foreign sports benefit of Irish taxpayers' money? The GAA is Irish, and Liz Fields other sports aren't. So she's in support of John, and feels people who are on about public money invested into Parky Queeve need to be quiet. Says Liz, that's her view. Uh, You can text her WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three, or call Bernie on our comment line oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Now, this Sunday is World Lung Day and the Irish Lung Health Alliance, which is made up of a coalition of charities, is working to highlight lung health. I'm joined this morning by Cork-based Professor Marcus Kennedy, a consultant in respiratory physician and also a banning colleague woman, Fanula Rice, who is going to share her story of life with lung fibrosis. You're both very welcome to the programme this morning. Thank you. you. Now, Dr Marcus, I'll start with you first. I mean, I suppose many of us don't realise the importance of lung health. Uh, Maybe over the last few years we might have with the pandemic and and also what other diseases around us have a significant impact on our lung health because it is very important uh, to have healthy lungs. I mean, they do control everything really in our body, don't they?
6: Yes. uh, So it is a leading cause of, you know, patient-related disease in Ireland. As you said, it's very important to keep our lungs healthy. And uh, through the pathway to that, as we know now, uh, one of the main issues is vaccines. So we're all aware of the vaccine programs. And the recommendation this winter is for everyone to get, obviously, the boosters for COVID, but also the flu jab for the older patients. Also, it's been offered uh, to children, those with underlying uh, health issues, and also all workers in, in the healthcare system. Smoking is a key issue. Smoking cessation, you know, it's difficult, we know. However, you know, keep trying. Uh, the Nicotine replacement mm-hmm. therapy will double your odds. Uh, eat healthy. Uh, it, exercise, we're all supposed to get about 20 minutes, five days a week of some exercise that makes you sweat. And uh, finally, uh, keep an act, as, as we said, and you are what you eat. So they're the important points we're trying to spread uh, from a, from the, the lung um, uh, health point of view. Also avoiding, you know, um, uh, environmental exposures to agents. Uh, that can cause uh, lung disease. And there's an increased knowledge about this. And, of course, the main interventions in Ireland have been the smoke-free uh, uh, workplace, uh, but also a reduction in, in the production of smoke related to fuels.
2: And I'm going to talk to Fanula Rice very shortly, uh, but we're going to discuss the issue of fibrosis. Just explain, Marcus, uh, fibrosis for the...
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
2: those who may not be sure what it is, because we're hearing a lot more of that word in the last two or three years, again, I suppose, being educated from the pandemic.
6: Yeah, so fibrosis is uh, about uh, somewhere around 1% to 3% of folks in Ireland have fibrosis. There's multiple causes. We've all heard of cystic fibrosis, which is, as you know, a genetic cause of lung Mm -hmm. fibrosis in Ireland. Uh, Post-COVID, so these would be the folks that have long-term uh, difficulties with breathing. One of the causes is COVID-related lung fibrosis. And then there are a plethora of other causes uh, which can be severe, you know. Now, there are medications for this disease now. So in the past, some of the causes of lung fibrosis, we didn't have treatments. Now we do, and it's very important to, to find patients early uh, to intervene. So any breathnesses that you have, you really should go into your general practitioner to get a chest X-ray to try to identify uh, this and other lung diseases.
2: And Fionnuala, uh, thanks for joining us by the way this morning to share your story uh, with us. When were you first diagnosed with lung fibrosis?
7: I was first diagnosed in 2019, but I knew something was wrong, let would say maybe up to three years before that. I was breathless, uh, coughing a lot, a dreadful dry cough, which could interrupt you mid-word, let alone mid-sentence. And it was thought to be asthma, uh, but in 2019, it kind of came to a head when I was on holidays. I couldn't keep up with my friends, and I would have been very fit, very active, and couldn't go up steps at all without becoming alarmingly breathless. So I went to the consultant on my return. I was sent for a high-resolution CT scan, and the lung fibrosis showed on that then. So... I didn't know what it was. I did the worst thing in the world and I Googled it. Oh, so yeah. I got quite a fright, yeah.
2: Yeah, Google will easily scare us, unfortunately, when it comes <sighs> to that, the health matters, right, Benula. And what happened then when, you know, you were diagnosed? What was the treatment following this for you?
7: Well, I have uh, lung fibrosis secondary to systemic sclerosis. So um, mine is caused by an autoimmune, an underlying autoimmune disease which affects the lungs. So the treatment initially, because I had that in the mix, um, I was on um, a drug, an, an immunosuppressant, that was changed to one that's commonly used, cellcept And then uh, I had pulmonary function tests and x-rays, consultations, and it was decided at that juncture to continue me with the immunosuppressant, which I inject myself once weekly with. It was changed to an injection. But my uh, pulmonary function test, um, the gas exchange fell alarmingly for the last one. So I have been now referred to the um, respiratory um, department in CUH, which is a, a specialist special centre, specialised centre for the region and I had my first consultation there just a week ago so it is proposed now following more tests in December and January that I will be put on an um which is hopefully uh, designed to slow down the progression of the scarring.
2: And when you mentioned the function test there uh, for your, your, your lungs, is that where you may blow into a, a system and does that measure then how strong your lungs are for breathing? Is that type of the, the function test you're doing?
7: That's correct. Yeah. It's kind of broken down into various sections. You have the um, spirometry, then your lung volumes and then the diffusion capacity, which is the exchange of gases as we call it and that's the one where I plummeted the last so I'm not on oxygen yet. Uh, I'm very grateful for that because when I know it helps enormously, I find it a bit restrictive trying to get around and that. But um, as you will know, it's a progressive debilitating condition. So um, I, nobody can tell you how you're going to progress. It's a case of constant monitoring.
2: And for you now, what are your symptoms like? I mean, what is life like for you, uh, everyday life?
7: I'm quite restless. Um, I have the cough. The fatigue, uh, for me, at this stage of my disease, I find the fatigue overwhelming. Um, you can't do a lot of the things that you could do. And uh, COVID then, of course, came along into the mix. And that meant I was afraid to... Go outside the door. So, my world has shrunk. I'm afraid to go to concerts, live gigs. Um, I was in a choir. I had to give that up because um, I can't risk even getting a bad chest infection.
2: Yeah, so the last number of years for you, have you remained more or less indoors? Because the fear, as you mentioned, is if you get a chest infection that's bad enough, not a mind, any symptoms of COVID.
7: Uh, They have, and I live alone. I've no family in court. So um, it was pretty isolating now during the whole phase of COVID, which we're not out of yet, really.
2: Yeah, and I mean, isolation, I can only imagine, must have been very tough for you. But do you feel because you can't physically see your condition, uh, do you think people understand?
7: Oh, not really. It's like an invisible disease. As one person said to me, um, pulmonary fibrosis is a a disease nobody gets until they get it. So in that you don't really, nobody has really heard about it. Um, So it's trying to raise awareness all the time. Uh, People don't understand my paranoia, which is all I can call it now. Having been through COVID, paranoia about meeting crowds, people.
2: Of course and and you're rightly so because you know it could change your whole life if anything unfortunately if if you've got a really bad uh, infection in your lungs if you're so sensitive uh, you're right to be paranoid as you say yourself even though I wouldn't say you're paranoid but (laughs) you're right to say that I think you're just being careful to be honest Fanula and uh, Dr Marcus I mean Fanula mentioned there about fatigue. What is it that I speak to people over the years and when it comes to the lungs if there's any problem with the lungs it does cause a lot of tiredness and people will Say well, the majority of of those in our society might be able to sleep on seven or eight hours sleep. Anybody who has any type of lung condition will always need ten or eleven hours sleep. Why is that? Or can you explain the reasoning behind that?
6: So there's a number of issues there, and and thanks for for Nula for describing your symptoms. So uh, some issues include, as you said, you know, breathing issues at night, which can impact on sleep, uh, a reduction in exercise capacity. Uh, and deconditioning, deconditioning, which you know, at the end of the day, exercise does does help us sleep. But when you're not able to exercise as much as as, as you used to, you will get fatigued. Some of the medications or drugs can make you tired. Uh, as Fanula said, she was on different drugs, maybe steroids, cell CELSEP, she mentioned, and these immunotherapies. They can, you know, affect your appetite. Steroids can affect your sleep in general. And any chronic lung condition in general, as we know, does cause, you know, a body inflammation, which can, can affect your sleep. Now, one thing Fanula mentioned, which I must mention, is oxygen therapy. Uh, one of the causes of being on oxygen is uh, lung fibrosis. Uh, others being chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. But this winter, of course, with, with with the price of electricity going up, as we all know, uh, oxygen can run about sixty six euros a month. So those patients with who are on long term uh, oxygen therapy, you know, we must think about those, uh, and they don't really get, you know, a, a, a payment for their electricity. Uh, Those patients should register uh, to be, you know, uh, a special, you know, um, um, uh, person uh, as regards, you know, having uh, a risk, uh, a priority customer as such with electricity suppliers. They should have backup cylinders and extra batteries to hand. And and contingency plans to come into hospital if needs be. Hopefully we won't be dealing with power cuts, but, you know, we we really need to support those people um, on auction therapy. Finally, one cause of of lung disease is sleep apnea. That affects up to one in 10 of the population and that affects the sleep. Um, You know, although patients think they're getting a good night's sleep, the quality is poor. And and there is interventions for that, including, you know, positive airway pressure through a non-invasive ventilator device, which is a mask over your face, which people may be aware of through COVID.
2: Yeah, is this, is, I, mean, I know it's sleep apnea, but is it hard to, for a patient to get used to that mask first when, when they're diagnosed with sleep apnea? I mean, can, that, can that actually make them not sleep, if you, if you get what I'm saying?
4: Yeah,
6: it, it depends on the severity of such, JP. So if you have severe sleep apnea, when you go on that mask, you're going to feel a whole lot better. You know, really improve the quality of sleep. If you have milder sleep apnea of course the fatigue it can be hard to figure out whether the fatigue is related to sleep apnea or not there are interventions with the masks there's different types of masks there's different sizes uh so there are interventions we, we can do to, to improve that, as we call it, interface. The machine, you know, is, is uh, not a feat of, of engineering. It just pumps air in. But the mask is the priority to get the right mask for the patient. So if you have sleep apnea and the mask is not suiting you, there's different options. Contact both the company or, or, or your you know, doctor to get the right mask for you. Because it's very important to have this treated The long-term risk of, you know, heart disease and strokes, It's similar to having high cholesterol or being a smoker or high blood pressure, we all know about those risks. But uncontrolled sleep apnea, you know, cause of fatigue, cause of road traffic accidents in Ireland from people, you know, being fatigued when driving, and also causes of, of, of heart attacks and strokes.
2: And I was reading, uh, Marcus, uh, one of your colleagues, actually, about lung tests and the waiting times and the public service in this country reaching about 18 months. Do you feel here in Ireland that we, I suppose, we we need to get more serious with lung conditions, as you also mentioned there about the power cuts and what people need to make sure they're a priority to their electricity supplier uh, this coming winter?
6: Yeah, so, so Fanouda would need regular pulmonary function tests to help, you know, guide, you know, the, whether or not the interventions are working. There's a number of issues here. First of all, you know, because of COVID, there's a there's a more of a time to. Clear out the room after the pulmonary function test, as such. So, if you can imagine, as you said, you're taking a big breath in and blowing out as hard as you can. You obviously have to get a COVID test uh, before before this test, although the regulations are changing on that now. Also, very hard to get technicians trained in this area. Uh, so, we, we have a worldwide shortage, which I believe, you know, because of an increase in respiratory disease. So, even we have posts available in, in Cork University Hospital, but we can't get people to fill the posts. So we hope more and more people will come in uh, as, you know, medical technicians into the system in Ireland. There's good training programs in this. We're hopefully setting up a program in CUH to train people uh, as a medical technician, for instance, for, you know, heart disease, such as ECG, for neurological diseases, um, um, and then for, for respiratory diseases. So it's an issue with staffing is a huge issue for this.
2: And uh, Fanula, by the way, before we let you go, there's a number of people who, some are in, in similar situations or have family members uh, like yourself and have had lung problems in the, in the past. Uh, some have made a good recovery so far. So they're all wishing you well, Fiona Fanula. So that's good to hear anyway uh, this morning and people are wishing you the best of luck for the future, as do we here as well. And we hopefully that the winter ahead won't be uh, too severe for you. Thank you very much. And Dr Marcus appreciate you speaking to us this morning also on the programme.
6: More than welcome, thank you.
2: Thank you, that is our Professor Marcus Kennedy who's a consultant uh, based here in Cork and also from colleague Vanula Rice who is uh, and who did share her story of life with lung fibrosis and to mark World Lung Day if you want to get more information and I know Marcus did outline it there uh, just the, the top tips I suppose to love your lungs you can go to lunghealth.ie. You're on c 103, it's Cork Today, we're with you on until 1 our lines are open for your views 0818 103 103 text or whatsapp Oh eight six 103 and we're heading to McCroom next to hear all about this year's McCroom Food Festival with C103.
0: Court today on C one oh three. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. O eight six two one oh three one oh three. The McCroom Food Festival
2: returns this year after a scaled back event last year. It's all Systems Go for twenty twenty two, and one of the organizers, Joe Cronin Lovell, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Joe.
1: Good morning, John Paul. And, and thanks, thanks for joining for us. us. Thank you for having us on
2: the show. I will. We're delighted you're joining us because this is always a a highlight in the food calendar in Cork and you must be delighted that the festival... I know it went ahead last year, but there were so many restrictions in place at various times. This year, it's going ahead and touch wood, nothing will change in the next few weeks anyway, (laughs) Anyway, restriction-wise, so you must be delighted at that. Yeah,
1: but last year we did actually... We hosted a much smaller event and we... um, although this gave us the opportunity to create a virtual food tour in the area which is available on YouTube so we were thrilled to be back in the in the Sorry, we're thrilled to be back in the action next
2: Sunday. Yeah, physically back. So uh, talk to us about, about this year's event now in McCroom for this year's Food Festival. It all gets underway on this coming Friday and it will be coinciding with Culture Night where there'll be a lot of events taking place within the Castle Hotel in McCroom.
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually amazing how um, the whole town of McCroom is doing so much stuff. But for anyone who'd like to get the party started early... We're celebrating Culture Night on Friday the 23rd with music and comedy from 8 pm with the pile drivers, and it's a free event, and all are welcome.
2: And that's within the the Castle Hotel on this Friday night. And then the main event, of course, on Sunday. And I've been to this nearly every year while uh, the food festival is underway. It's a great day out. I would recommend people to go along. It's in the main square in McCroom. And this is where the stalls of food are on display. And businesses are there from 11 a.m. until 6 p.m. And you can basically, Joe, feast on amazing food. And also uh, there's some music and craft work uh, mixed in as well.
1: Absolutely. It's um, very exciting actually and a little bit different as well this year because it's the first time that we have a craft selection included and we're excited to welcome some of the most talented local craftspeople who will host stands alongside our typical food and drinks traders. Um, We will have everything from jewellery to candles, crochet, soaps, antiques, handbags and wooden kitchen (laughs) utensils. There will be um, interactive workshops where people can try their hand at arts and crafts under the creative su- supervision of Chapel Hill School of Art. So everybody's getting involved. But don't worry, there will also be a great variety of delicious food and drink um, that people have come to expect from the McCroom Food Festival. The ever-favorite buffalo burgers and... Um, that have become synonymous with Macroom. Yeah,
2: Homemade they have, ice. yeah.
1: Yes, they have indeed. Homemade ice cream, meat pies, range of super confectionery, excellent baristas, cheeses, and so much more.
2: And you seem to have expanded the culture side of it as well, because I know the last time we were there uh, in McCroom, uh, we spoke to many people living there from various countries who bought their own uh, multiculturalism of food, and we had free samples of cuisine on the day. Uh, that is going ahead as well on the Sunday, and I think there is it 12 different countries will be on offer for tasting food and you have guests there from those countries.
1: Yeah, we've um, joined forces with CECAD to host what promises to be a really beautiful event from 12 to 3. There will be a free world food tour on the main square showcasing typical traditional food from over 10 different nationalities who will prepare food for the public to sample free of charge. Um, The countries actually include Georgia, Ukraine, Nigeria, Iraq, El Salvador, South Africa, Albania, Mauritius, Somalia, Botswana and Nicaragua, our um, international neighbours living here in Macroom.
2: A big so. selection there to choose from. And it's yeah. always great to, to taste food from another culture or another country because, you know, from, from various spices to the, the different offerings, it's, it's an experience, I suppose, in one way, isn't it, Joe?
1: Yeah, it's a whole celebration, really, yeah. and an opportunity to connect um through the universal language of food. I can't wait for it personally.
2: And tell me also about this event taking place on the Sunday as well from three o'clock onwards in the square in Macroom. Uh, I know there'll be live music, but this Speed Irish event, is this for people who want to um, improve their Irish?
1: Um, As you know, we're so close to the Gwaleshub here in Macroom.
6: Mm.
1: We're delighted to have produce from the Gwaleshub area showcased at a special Gwaleshub stand. And there they will um, have a little class of cuplas where you can uh, practice your cuplafocle. And um, they're very welcoming. They've got a little bit of music going on there as well. And lots of special treats from the whale Hockes.
2: Well, that's, I, mean, I think a lot of people, and I know Sony are the Musgrave girls up there, but I think a lot of people do uh, like to try and speak as much Irish as we can and improve it. You might not have the confidence, but at least if we can uh, try and improve our Irish, uh, that is something to look forward to on Sunday. And I suppose, Joe, the festival, I mean, it's great to be back physically this year again in the square in McCroom. It's going since 2012. Uh, and while you're showcasing the rich heritage from the McCroom and the entire Mid Cork region, uh, it's a big and still a, a great economic boost boost for Macroom as it has been from the start?
1: Oh, yes. It, there's, a, there's an appetite for events in general. We'd hope to get good public support on the day. Mm. Um, there are such super food producers in the area, as we mentioned, Macroom buffalo cheese, Kool-Aid, Toonsbridge, Macroom oatmeal, for example. And we wanted to find a way to tie all of this Together and promote the area as a foodie haven. Um, the underlying ambition of the food festival has always been to bring business, footfall, and activity to the town.
2: And when you mentioned footfall to the town, the new bypass, that is uh, due to open anyhow. I think it could be next month, uh, sometime in October, uh, parts of the bypass could open. Uh, but this time next year, it should be open. So do you feel that will give room to expand the festival and expand the event in years to come with less traffic flowing through the town?
1: Oh, for sure. Um, when it has happened in other towns, generally, it has been it has brought only good to the area. Traffic has long been a problem in the room, as we all know.
2: Mm, yeah. So we're
1: very hopeful that once the town is bypassed, it will blossom in other ways that it hasn't done so far. For sure, the festival would be a different affair without traffic to contend with. It would allow for more spaces to open um, in safer ways. Less noise, obviously. And who knows what other benefits. We look forward to seeing it anyway. Very much so.
2: Indeed. Well, Joe. Uh, for this year, anyhow, f- with the very best of luck to you all there and enjoy uh, the weekend ahead in McCroom.
1: Thank you so much. Can I just have a final mention yeah, there for our can. sponsors, please, JP? You can, of course, Joe. Um, each year we are reliant on local business people as well as public bodies for financial support without their goodwill and willingness to get involved Um Come to meetings, organise events, volunteer in advance, and on the day, there is simply no festival. Um, a huge thank you to them, and thank you again, John Paul, and your team at C103 for your support over the years, and. For having us
2: on the show today. Well, no, I some delighted to Joe, and the very best of luck at the weekend. And uh, the weather, I think, is good anyhow, so that should be mm-hmm. uh, should be a good news for for the big day on Sunday. Take care, Joe, and thanks for joining Thank us. You. Thank, Thank you, Joe Cronin Lovell, there, uh, one of the organisers at the McCroom Food Festival again underway this Friday in McCroom at the Castle Hotel, part of Culture Night, where there'll be free music and a lot of it guests there on the night. And then from Sunday, the big affair at the square in Macroom from eleven am, and you can feast on amazing food and craft work and much more across McCroom as part of the McCroom Food Festival with C103 It's caught today until 1 JP in for Patricia Bernie taking your comments on 0818 103, 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103, 103 I'll get to a lot of the comments in regarding the Pensions and GEA uh, shortly but first of all if we can help Liam uh, Liam was in contact with us on WhatsApp uh, during the news and he wants any quick remedies because he's made Making a presentation in his workplace tomorrow. Now, it's an important presentation he makes tomorrow, uh, but he's woken up this morning, he says, with a very sore throat. So, any quick remedy to clear uh, a sore throat? Liam is asking. I know honey is very good. Um, and, and does kind of I'm not too sure if it's a quick remedy but it does soothe and can help with a sore throat anybody else have any remedy that we can share with Liam uh, so he can be okay for that important work presentation he has tomorrow let us know text or whatsapp 0862103103. and on the pension and we discussed this earlier in the show and this is whereby if somebody is to retire at the age of 70 you can add 60 euros a week to your pension will donate in your markets says, the people who work until they are 70 will have to live until they're 80 To get back What they would have got In the pension If they retired, er, retired earlier It's a publicity stunt By this government Donny feels Heather Humphreys Will get a massive pension She of course Is the social protection minister She'll get a massive pension After three years as minister Plus then She'll also get Her TD pension uh, So a lot of people I'm sure Would be looking at that uh, And agreeing with Donny. Uh, he feels All this news Of adding more to your pension is a publicity stunt and on the conversation we had earlier in the show with John Arnold this is the man who uh, was a steward for many years within Cork GEA at Parky Queeve this is a voluntary position by the way uh, that he held and that all stewards hold uh, Bush as Munster will travel uh, to Cork uh, along with a selected South African side and they will uh, be within Parky Cueve as part of the Springboks tour uh, a lot of people are unhappy that rugby is being played at Parky Cueve we spoke with John earlier he's resigned at that position because he feels so strongly about that he gave his uh, thoughts and points on why he, he did that earlier to us this morning uh, and a lot of commentary still coming in following that conversation we had with John there was mixed views on this by the way earlier uh, a lot of people agreed with John some did not agree and overall because you can drink and when I mean you can drink you can purchase alcohol and sit down in the seats within the stadium and drink your alcohol whereas that is not the case with GAA everybody agrees with John and feels that that should not be the case in any sport Uh, they feel it takes away from the game of the sport a lot of texts agreeing with John on that front uh, but overall a mixed view Uh, and here is more of them uh, that have come in regarding John's viewpoint first of all uh, this person says John I feel he's over the top when it comes to his view on other sports using uh, the Parque Quive grounds that ground is mostly funded by the taxpayer and it's empty for most of the year it's ridiculous leaving it like the way it is Uh, so hold other sports is what that person says on text and then Uh, Sandy was on and Sandy says I heard someone refer to foreign games in the GAA stadiums and that earlier was Liz uh, because Liz was telling people to get over themselves when somebody mentioned public money invested into Parky Queeve. she says it is an Irish sport and it's okay for Irish taxpayers to invest in an Irish sport Uh, but she felt it's wrong uh, for another sport such as rugby to use Parky Queeve when it was Irish money was invested into uh, an Irish game Game, which is GAA says Liz well on that Sandy says I presume that person which was Liz and she was referring to rugby is being a kind of against sport and they assumed then that rugby is anti-Irish well to most it's just another sport played by all and this idea that it wasn't or it was anti-British is what Sandy is saying was hatched some way along the way um, when there was this suppose talks of not having other sports with Within GA stadiums, uh, and she feels that, you know, rugby along with soccer is just another sport and it should be played at those stadiums. Also, someone referred to building another stadium would be bad for the climate, and that was Emer earlier on on our text who said that, with all, all I mentioned to John during the interview, should we? have one stadium and that stadium would be Parky Cueve a big stadium in Cork City the GA would have full control over that stadium but let others use it rather than building three or four stadiums and having another big one or maybe building a, you know a, a new site at Musgrave Park for rugby and Turner's Cross maybe expanding or going somewhere else for soccer and having three big stadiums why just have one and the GAA are in control but everybody can play there but the, the GAA called the shots more or less know, John was against that and he had his own reasons why but Sandy uh, picking up on Emer who said she agrees she would like one stadium Sandy saying uh, doing this would yes indeed be bad for climate control but she says that's one aspect of it what about all the other products that aren't the best source at times which are supposed to be good for the climate she's on about the ion batteries that, that are estimated to and uh, that are source for electric cars the batteries for electric cars uh, aren't they the lithium uh, bantri- batteries and that one seemingly Sandy says electric car battery on average uh, they need 5,000 tonne of rock as quarries used using approximately up to 1,000 gallons of fuel for loading transport and loading these batteries back to where they are supposed to go. Uh, so then, if that's the case, there are numerous green and other go- goods sold uh, which have no regard for the carbon imprint or the CO2 production and the transport involved. So why didn't we talk about the stadiums? Uh, says Sandy on text to 0862-103-103 when it comes to the climate. And then we mentioned earlier regarding DTV and how this is a new EU law uh, whereby is 30% of what's shown on Irish TV has to be homegrown, has to be from the EU and the big thing here is of course when you look at the EU, France, Germany, Italy they all have their own languages uh, we are an English speaking country so we do have a lot of UK TV on here and it would mean that a lot of the TV schedules would have to change and the UK TV shows such as Coronation Street and EastEnders may not be allowed to show on Irish TV uh, because they would be deemed now UK, of course, outside of the EU, they wouldn't fit in with the quota. Uh, And on this, a lot of people are reacting, uh, mixed views. And again, you know, I suppose because it's UK TV, we still can We should be able to view them anyhow uh, on on a free sat system if you're lucky enough to have that. But not everybody is. So people are uh, put out over this. uh, Joan saying, I do enjoy watching Coronation Street. I've been watching it for so many years, since the 80s. And I've watched it on Irish TV, RTE at the start and now Virgin. Uh, But the fact that it could go missing, it is a concern. Not all of us have access to Sky or indeed other satellite systems. We rely on our Irish channels to show the content from abroad. Yes, it would be great to have more Irish content, but it's good to see what else is happening across the world. While somebody else on WhatsApp says Ireland is in the EU also, so if 30% of our own programmes are homegrown, then surely we will be okay. Well yes, we'll be okay for our own homegrown content. Uh, That's not the issue. The issue is the, the UK content that is shown and I suppose the big uh, fear is uh, like RTE2 would have a lot of US television shows uh, which are shown here. They'll be affected because it's not just UK, it's also US and Australian TV shows will be affected by this. And then how many of the Virgin channels uh, rely on content from ITV, uh, which uh, comes from the UK? So that's the, the main worry. And as I say, it will still be available to a lot of us if you are lucky enough to have satellite, but a lot of people don't. And that's the point they're making this morning now. I mean, I think one thing they forgot about here, and since this has become public yesterday, the EU has got a bit of a backlash on this because they forgot the fact that Ireland and the UK, uh, both speaking the same language, team up for so many shows Young Offenders, Film Tear and Cork, uh, a joint production with BBC and RTE. Uh, And, you know, would that have been possible if it was just one? company producing that. Normal people, another show, a joint production between uh, Ireland and the UK. So uh, I think maybe it won't all come to what it is, but they are going to l- look at that. And then the other side of it is, is isn't good to have more Irish faces and more Irish shows on our uh, national broadcasters. Your views are welcome on that. And the HSC, and this is from Martin on WhatsApp. This is the story that we also mentioned earlier and dealt with in the show earlier. And it's how... A lot of the uh, staff, medical staff, mainly nurses, though, here... Are considering a move from Ireland to the UK because there's an attractive package on offer by the NHS in Britain, which includes free or reduced accommodation uh, for those who were new entrants to the UK health system to work, that is. And the accommodation is one of the main reasons that people are leaving Ireland because they can't afford the accommodation, especially in city areas. On that, Martin says uh, Hi, JP and Bernie. When you see valuable doctors and nurses leaving the country, When we need these people in Ireland badly, you wonder what is the underlying reason why the government and the HSE won't pay the doctors and nurses the deserved increase in pay? What is the bigger picture here, asks Martin. While Mossy says you're talking about the nurses and some of them not getting the COVID bonus uh, earlier, and that was the pandemic bonus that we mentioned earlier on in the show. We were discussing that and hearing from those who work in non-HSE facilities, but also those who work within the HSE who have yet to receive the bonus. Uh, well on that, uh, Mossy says and, and what they're waiting for months, the government TDs are getting their wage increase immediately. Where is the fairness in that? Uh, says Mossy. While Nula uh, in a lengthy WhatsApp to us says anytime we discuss people leaving this country to work, uh, she says when she listens to the show and she's preempting that we're going to get this reaction again when we mentioned the nurses earlier and now again uh, she says we always get the argument of people, why do we educate those students here in this country are taxes paying for these students with investment into colleges and then they go abroad to work. No wonder they do says Nuala. Renting in other countries is no way as expensive as Ireland is. Now, if you go to big cities like London or Paris, Nuda says it might be that way, but other areas are not. And as the NHS offers supports for accommodation, many private companies do also. Maybe not to the extent of reduced rent, but they will give you a list of available accommodation in an area. I know this because my son went through this himself. And when he asked about accommodation, he got a list of what is available accommodation-wise in the city he was moving to in the UK. Okay, so why would someone stay when better offers are elsewhere? My son lives in England and he can come home, return flight into Cork Airport for €20 if he books a well in advance. If he was in Dublin, he'd pay fuel for the car, come down the motorway. What would that cost on average? €60 maybe? Or if he was to get the train from Dublin to Cork that would cost them maybe 60 to 70 euro Uh, plus accommodation in Dublin would be through the roof and the standard would not be as good as where he is in England no wonder people leave Uh, after all they're looking for a better life and everybody wants a decent uh, work-life balance also. Uh, that's from Nula on WhatsApp to 0862103103. 103. And when we were discussing and speaking with uh, another Nula or Fanula even uh, who joined us earlier on the show along with Dr. Marcus Kennedy to do with lung health, uh, just a number of people who have been on to us here. First of all, a lot of people wishing her well and uh, no name on this text but they say can you tell Fanula the very best of luck with her condition of lung fibrosis I totally understand her condition I had a family member that had asthma all her life and then this unfortunately uh, took over we lost that person to the disease in the end so I wish her well and the best of luck for the future what are sympathies to you losing your your own family member and we will pass on your best wishes to Fanula and also John says his sister got asthma late in life. Now, at the time... Her GP suggested uh, that she get uh, an injection every five years um, to, to deal with, I presume it was kind of a flu or pneumonia injection. Anyway, she got a new GP who then refused to give her the injection. And then a few years later, she got pneumonia and had to go to hospital. And now her lungs, John describes, are not in great condition. Uh, he uses the words bang jacks because of her not receiving uh, the pneumonia injection, uh, which she was getting from her own GP. But then when she changed for some reason over over the years to a different GP that didn't give her that it did affect her later when she unfortunately contracted pneumonia and that's the importance of lung health as we uh, heard earlier from dr marcus Kinsey. thank you for your call uh, john to bernie and 0818 103, 103 or you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 and i see a lot of people who are uh, texting in with uh, advice for liam who was on to us earlier in the show. Uh, he has a big work presentation tomorrow. He has a very sore throat. We woke up this morning with that. He wants to know, has he uh, or has anybody any quick remedies? They're coming in. We'll take a look at them during the break and we'll bring them to you. Uh, hopefully they will help you, Liam, or anybody else who might be in that situation. Also, coming up very shortly, we are joined by our regular show councillor, Joe Heffernan. And today we're going to talk all about kindness.
0: The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie.
2: An open meeting will be held this evening in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow at 7.30 with a view to forming an access group in Mallow to identify and improve access to public buildings, footpaths and more for people with mobility issues, parents with buggies and older residents all are welcome to attend. And a writing for theatre workshop will be held over the next six weeks in the School year Theatre in Charnival. Uh, this workshop is funded by Cork County Council but participants are asked to pay €50 Euros towards the billing expenses to apply you must be aged over 30 and submit a short sample of your writing by email to hollycady at gmail.com a closing date for applications are Thursday this coming Thursday 22nd of September and Shambhali More bingo that's going ahead this evening at 8 o'clock the jackpot is 2,800 euros in 48 calls or less everybody is welcome and you are come along and enjoy because your luck might be in tonight in Shambhali More. and if you have any items to donate to a fundraising charity picnic and the sale of work which is due to be held in Newton's Chandram on October the 1st if you can contact the gene on 085 209 0440 for donations of items that are needed for sale of work and a coffee evening will be held in aid of Marymount Hospice that's going ahead in Ballydaily Hall on this coming Friday from 8 to 10pm And Rathbury and District Vintage Club, Uh, they're holding their annual tractor, truck, car and motorcycle run. It's going ahead this coming Sunday. You can register from the Parish Hall at 11am. And this year, the run is in memory of former club member Rex Kingston. all proceeds will go to Breakthrough Cancer Research, Cork and the Artfield Rathbury Parish Hall renovation funds.
0: Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. And we'll be joined
2: by our regular counsellor on the show, Joe Heffernan, shortly, discussing all things kindness. But uh, many thanks to a number of people who've been on to us over the last few minutes. Uh, this is for Liam. Uh, and Liam will, I'm sure, thank you all for this. Uh, he's making a presentation in his workplace tomorrow, but he's woke up this morning with a very sore throat. He's looking for any quick remedies to clear this as soon as he can. Uh, Jim, first of all, and a lot of people, as we said, mentioned honey and lemon, um, gargle, salt and water for a sore throat. He'll do this before uh, the presentation, but Jim is t- telling Liam to make sure he does a COVID test ahead of that. Now, he has done one already and it's negative, negative. So, and I'm sure he'll do one again tomorrow, but it's it's still a negative for him morning anyway so um, it may not be cold but he still has a sore throat uh, so Jim thank you for that Colette though has uh, a take that might be interesting for anybody who uh, comes across a sore throat in the future Colette says if you she worked in a hospital in the city so she says if you hold in your throat gargle as long as you can and this is used after throat raw operations on the tonsils etc because this kills the infection then suck lemon take a spoon of honey before his interview and the presentation but also gargle as well as much as he can and possibly do that today uh, and gargle with spray if you can buy certain sprays that you will see the throat sprays. Uh, gargle with that as well but definitely gargle and hold your throat while you're doing that. Suck the lemon and then gargle again before the operation. Colette saying that's something they've used in hospitals after uh, operations on the throat or indeed on tonsils. Um, hello to Coleman who says gargle salt and water three times a day and it's hot water. The water has to be hot so gargle that for three times a day. Uh, that should clear hopefully your sore throat says Coleman and Anna uh, has uh, come across this before in her situation she again will gargle but she says with tepid salt water Or Disprin, squeeze fresh lemon and orange and top up the hot water with ginger and honey. Plenty of vitamin C and zinc across the day and that will help. You can also call into your local pharmacy if she says to if you want more information. But thank you, Anna, for that. Uh, And uh, a lot of people suggesting Disprin as well uh, with uh, lemon and indeed honey. And uh, another person here, and this is someone who was singing recently in the Mallow area, and their throat got a bit tender the day before, uh, and the voice got weak. And her daughter in law told her about this throat pastille that's called Vocal Zone. She says it's brilliant; it really works. Most uh, chemists should have it, but Pro Musica in Cork City uh, definitely stocked that. So Vocal Zone, um, Liam, maybe that will help you out there as you have a presentation tomorrow. Thank you all so many uh, calls and texts in regarding this, and we'll pass them on to Liam. That's just a sample that have come into us over the last 50 minutes and then yesterday of course was the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II in the UK and Michael in Castle Bear was on to us earlier this morning uh, on WhatsApp. And this is Michael's comment on uh, what happened yesterday. He says, Hi, JP, poor old Britain, the once great nation was plunged into 10 days of mourning after a succession of crises Brexit, COVID 19, party gate, four prime ministers in six years, and now one of the last symbols of stability is gone with the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. But nobody can do pageantry quite 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 like the British. They tuned in from around the world not for the allegiance but to see the spectacle. It looked like a soap opera. Rather superficial, says Michael. A lot of the global affection was only superficial. They liked the costumes, the parades, all the cavalry and all the officialdom. But King Charles will have a hard act to follow in his mother's footsteps as she was a passionate lady in all of her duties and wisdom. She was a passionate lady in the farming world also, especially with animals such as horses and her dogs. Uh, may her gentle soul rest in peace, says Michael. However, there are a lot of unanswered questions about today's royalty and we will only have to watch this space, says Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear. And thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. and yeah, a lot of talk today uh, around among the Commonwealth countries uh, and some looking at having referendums uh, to become a republic and we'll have to see what happens over the next year on that. Thank you for your WhatsApp. On the way next though, uh, we'll feature and talk all about kindness. Uh, our regular show councillor on the show, Joe Heffernan joins us.
0: Court today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 0862
2: 103, 103. And as usual on a Tuesday our regular councillor Joe Heffernan joins us Good afternoon to you Joe Good afternoon, JP. And this week we're going to talk about kindness and something a lot of people would welcome um, at this time of the year, any time of the year, really. Mm. But before we get into the benefits, I suppose, of kindness, this is a story uh, that you're going to tell that really shows the kindness of a person and a person that you yourself did not know or never met, but a lot of people listening will be aware of this person.
5: Yes, indeed. Um, If you remember... um, uh A couple of years ago, uh, Tommy Gorman, whom we would all know as the RTE Northern Editor, uh, when he was doing that slot on um, RTE, um, he did a program, Tommy Gorman did a program on RTE some time ago. And I realized from what he was saying that he had been diagnosed nearly 30 years ago with the same cancer as our son, Ken had been diagnosed with, namely NETS, N-E-T-S. Now, NETS are rare, slow-growing cancers that affect your uh, neuroendocrine, uh, neuroendocrine cells. So, anyway, I did what many people would consider foolish or hopeless. I wrote a letter simply addressed, Tommy Garman, Sligo. No real address whatsoever, <laughs> but... To my amazement um, and uh, great pleasure, sometime later, I got a phone call from Tommy Garman. Oh, wow. got my letter.
2: Oh, well done yeah. to that postman, because sometimes yeah. they can go astray, but Absolutely. get the yeah. right postman and, and, or woman, and it will go to the person if you just push the, the county. So, <laughs> well, yeah. Done, yeah, yeah.
5: Well, Tommy spent well over an hour on the phone to me, and he gave me some priceless information regarding NETS cancer and uh, all his contact details for Ken and what a what a kind uh, thing to do what a kind man
2: Indeed no. because he could have got that letter And read it and realised Yes you know that the programme he did The documentary did help someone uh, But reaching out to you that way No it could have helped him as well Because you know of people who go through uh, Certain illnesses It's good to talk about it And share the knowledge you know And you're sharing it with someone else So, well, uh, But no. he could have easily no, He could have easily just left a le- letter well, there no, as well Well in Tommy's so.
5: case He did a bit more than talk about oh, it Oh go on yeah uh, He has given wonderful service To sufferers of nets in Ireland he brought all that knowledge and expertise he learned in Sweden where he was being treated back to Ireland. And the result of that is that there is now a fabulous network of oncologists, etc., in Ireland, in many hospitals, including Cork, uh, Renet And there is a website, Net Patient Network. And uh, there happens to be a national Net Patient Day 2022, a live event. On November the 12th, 2022. So I would imagine that if a person uh, clicks on the website uh, NetPatient Network, um, uh, all the details will be there. So kindness like can save lives, and um, it gave us wonderful hope because anyone who was still going strong, even as his autobiography that I'll mention in a second, never better. Um, uh, is, is still on the go, t- nearly thirty years later from the diagnosis. Well, that that gave us a great lift with regard to Ken's um, diagnosis.
2: Yes, of course it would, and yeah. you know, in a situation like that, Joe, hope is the main thing. And to see someone who's lived yeah. with it and through it, I mean, you know, it really changes the outlook, doesn't it? on any type of disease.
5: Absolutely, and Tommy's autobiogra- autobiography called. Never Better, My Life, In Our Times. It comes out on this Thursday, the 22nd of September. I'd imagine it will be a fascinating read considering his long journalistic experience and especially insider knowledge on Northern Ireland, where, as we know, he was the RTE Northern editor for so many years. And uh, and his great 30-year survival after a cancer diagnosis surely would give great hope to many, many people.
2: I'm sure it would. And when we're talking about kindness today, Joe, that is just a real fulfilled, kind story. And you can hear it in your voice. The fact that he reached out to you and the fact that he continued on and and brought his knowledge of nets across Ireland, bringing and setting up that that network, first of all, on the website then, uh, it really inspired you and gave you hope. Uh, But without him picking up the phone and without him being kind, uh, the benefit uh, to you and your family would not have been felt. So you you can see that the hope and the inspiration that you got from him. So you know it it all goes back to the the relationships, I suppose, or the better relationships that uh, kindness can bring.
5: Absolutely, I mean kindness benefits um, uh, people. There's no question about it. Um, uh, you know, uh, it it makes people um, uh, more kindly back towards one who is kind, and um, uh, it uh, it benefits both the giver and the given. Um, No question about that. Um, Kindness does us good. That is a definite fact. And it's also a fact that um, there was a a book written by uh, Dr. David Hamilton. I attended... um, uh, uh, Seminar, a talk. Um, the name of the book is Why Kindness is Good for You. And he spoke of the connection between kindness, good feelings, and a neurotransmitter called oxytocin. Now, oxytocin is a neurotransmitter and a hormone that is produced in the hypothalamus of the brain. From there, it's transported to and secreted by the pituitary gland at the base of the brain. And positive feelings generate oxytocin, which has a beneficial effect on the heart arteries and immune system. So, not alone does kindness do good um, psychologically, but it actually does the body good uh, physically. And as um, um, a magician Longo used to say, not a lot of people know that.
2: Yeah, no, you, you would not. I mean, anything that can increase uh, the health, I suppose, in you is a good thing. A uh, like, bit like exercising, but, you know, it, it's not a bad thing either. And you mentioned health there. What about self-esteem from being kind to others? I mean, would that be something that you would say it, it would increase?
5: Without a doubt. But because being kind to others causes people to want to be kind to you. And that makes you feel better about yourself and about others and about the world. And, um, yeah, kindness, uh, kindness, um, when we think of it's probably one of the most important words in our language, really, because when we're kind to one another, uh, bad things probably don't happen. Um, uh, With the world we live in today, JP, You know, there seems to be a lack of kindness. Um, You know, we have war. um, We have uh, terrible things happening. Um, We have countries that were um, uh, united. Um, uh, I'm I'm thinking of the divide um, in politics in America, uh, for example. Um, You know... If people were kind and just uh, wished the other people well and worked towards um, making the world a better place, um, well then, uh, the world a a better place. I think we live in very, very uncertain times. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, um, you know, one would hope that uh, that the better um, instincts of humanity would prevail.
2: Rather than the hatred maybe that we're seeing oh
5: absolutely absolutely um I mean when you think of all the the bias and the hatred uh towards various uh, ethnic groups or people who have different opinions um uh, it's it, uh, it doesn't board well um for the world really um there's too much um too much uh, division too much uh, absolutely too much hatred and um, and kindness would be the antidote to all that just that we would we are living under one planet and that we would wish each other well um, we needn't agree with everyone but we could um, allow them to have their opinions and um, and not to indulge in mm, some of the things well especially the 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 things where there the the war for example, um yeah, it's uh, it's a tough old world now and um I feel especially um uh
2: it changed so fast, I suppose, uh, from I, 2019, Joe, that, you know, that, that's oh, the big thing about it. 2020 hit with a pandemic oh. and things changed. And then we had, you know, the war uh, once the pandemic and the restrictions were, were easing. So I think it just went from what people, what if you can describe normal, in a virtual commas, uh, to, to what we have now. Uh, but on that, and you touched on it there, people are talking about optimism and uh, looking at yeah. things in, in a good frame of mind. I suppose Absolutely. if you have less negativity as well, I mean, that yeah. will show kindness.
5: Yeah, that we would see the glass half full. And I mean, I I was born in the year of 1946. Now, I think we were referred to as war babies. Anyway, it was at the end of World War II. um, And um, uh, we came through that. It was um, horrendous. Um, It was uh, terrible times. The world was in turmoil. And we survived it. And good times came again. And then there was a cycle of bad times and a cycle of good times. Um uh, it, it's like um, you know, there is a season for everything. Um uh we we in 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 our entire lives if we think about it, um, you know, we have the winter, which maybe is now, uh we have the spring and we have hope and um we have birdsong and the um the, the the green shoots come again. And perhaps that's what will happen, hopefully, that's what will happen in our world too. Um, Hopefully and if and, people and, and are kinder
2: It makes that easier That if you are in a dark place Let's say winter uh, the, Those who were kind to you in the winter You know the summer will come as well And, and you'll get out of that of that dark space um, Good advice Joe today as always And good to go through Those five benefits of kindness mm-hmm. And I think the story from Tommy Gorman Really just outlines How kindness can pick up a person And, and do well in our society today
5: Without a doubt
2: Joe, thanks for joining us, and you're back again with us next week. Uh, that is Joe Heffernan, who's a regular counsellor uh, in Boherbui. You can contact him on 086 834 8145. Of course, Joe, back again next Tuesday here on the Cork Today Show at C103. My thanks to everybody who's been in contact with various comments across the show. Uh, a lot of people who we, we won't get to all the comments today, but on Sport. Uh, just one from John Finbar and Clannacilty who says a good sportsman and this is on the controversy of sport, uh, rugby being played in Parky Cueve John saying a good sportsman will never condemn another man's sports so disagreeing uh, with John who we had on the air earlier and for the nurses then going abroad working Joan and Kim says and he feels that nurses should have to work uh, here for at least two years before being allowed to go abroad to work the taxpayer has paid for their qualifications uh, feels Joe My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced We'll chat to you tomorrow morning from 10am Enjoy your Tuesday afternoon I'm John
3: Paul McNamara